0: Blog Talk Radio
1: The following is a post time with Mike and Mike production
0: coming up third
1: tuned in to the official podcast of the sport of harness racing post time with mike and mike with your hosts mike carter number 1000 for the third time aaron merriman wins and mike bozich down to the finish shirts and a game win in the betsy ross over caviar alley and apple bottom jeans 149
2: Speaking of unbelievable, what a performance by Charton last night at Dover Downs as she kicked off her 2020 campaign. You've got Post Time with Mike and Mike presented by the United States Trotting Association and Bet America. Mike Carter joining you live from the Post Time with Mike and Mike studios in Columbus by my co-host, always Mike Bozich. And Mike, uh, I'll tell you what, what an impressive, impressive performance. If you have not seen the race, you need to go back and see it.
1: Yeah, no question about it. She makes her 2020 debut a winning one, and I'll tell you what we talked about this, Mike, uh, on numerous occasions on this program, and uh, it just seems like with every single effort, every time she goes out onto the racetrack, whether it's against overnight competition, whether it's against uh, you know the stakes competition, whether it's against Caviar Alley, no matter what, where does she fit in to the conversation? of one of the best pacing mares of all time. I think she fits out of that uh, conversation very well.
2: You know, she's got to be one of the greatest racehorses of all time. I mean, she's mm-hmm. just absolutely impressive. And, you know, it, it, you know, she won the horse of the year, uh, you know, even after kind of faltering towards the end of the year last year. But we're going to talk to Jim King Jr. here in a little bit about it. I mean, what a schedule she kept last year. She kicked things off in early March, kind of like she's doing right now, raced all the way through the Breeders' Crown and the TBG. I'll tell you what, that takes a lot out of a racehorse.
1: You know, when we talk about one of the best pacing mares of all time in Shartin, where, when, at what point, Mike, do we start talking about one of the greatest rivalries of all time with Caviar Alley versus Shartin? And I'll tell you what, the racing fans are in for a treat. Obviously, both of them are going to race in 2020. And uh, I'll tell you what, the rivalry's renewed. And Caviar Alley, you know, let's give her a lot of credit. She got a leg up on Sharpton towards the end of 2019. Yeah, she did. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to
2: see how they kind of both come off of, you know, their tightener, so to speak. You know, they're both going to be fresh racehorses. And, you know, give no take nothing away from Caviar Alley. She did some amazing mm-hmm. things. And when we talk to Brett Pelling here in a little bit, um, we'll talk about some of those things that Caviar Alley did. But it's going to be kind of cool to see when they're both fresh who is going to be the better horse. I'll tell you what. Fans are in for a big, big
1: treat this year. Yeah, no question about it. we got a great show on tap for you today. Of course, we're going to talk to both trainers of both of these great mares. We're going to talk to Jim King Jr. We're going to talk to Brett Pelling. We're also going to talk to our man from Tioga Downs, Brett Rissi. I actually had a chance to meet him at uh, the Downs of Oregon Sun Pocono a couple of weeks ago. And then, of course, ran into him at the Meadowlands. He was doing the uh, co-hosting of the the uh, in-house handicapping show with Dave Brown. What a great guy Brett is. And uh, he brings a young, fresh approach to the sport of harness racing. And uh, he was, well, it wasn't way too far back that he was named the, uh, I believe, and let me get this name right, the Regional Operations Manager at Tioga Anverin. I believe that was back in October. So we're going to talk to Brett a little bit about that. Plus, and he's making his post-time with Mike and Mike debut, by the way. And so is driver Ryan Stull. He recently picked up his 5,000th driving win. Now, Mike, you've had a chance see Ryan drive extensively on the Ohio circuit and uh, you know a lot of times let's be honest Ryan gets overshadowed uh, a lot of times by Aaron Merriman and Ronnie Wayne Jr. and them guys but you want to talk about one of the most steady drivers on the Ohio circuit in Northfield Park Ryan Stoll definitely fits that belt yeah for sure he does it's uh, you know it's one of those things that uh, like you
2: said he gets overshadowed a lot um, by Ronnie Renn and Aaron Merriman and those guys but I'll tell you what he's won a lot of big races and there, a big overnight races on some pretty decent horses. My first 49 call actually came with him aboard Southwind Amazon. So he's got mm-hmm. to, you know, kind of kind of play, uh, you know, he plays second fiddle to those guys every once in a while. But I'll tell you, he, uh, he, he really steps up and is a really good driver.
1: You know Ryan Stahl's a favorite of my man the Natural Richard Matei. loves wagering, and <laughs> uh, no, Ryan Stahl loves getting prices when uh, guys like Ronnie Renid and Aaron Merriman uh, they tend to be overbet sometimes there, and uh, Ryan Stahl fits right in with some good prices. We're gonna get this show on the road. It's uh, Brett Reese, the regional operations manager at Town, Vernon downs. He is in the on deck circle. Pardon my voice, by the way, I'm I'm a little bit under the weather, and yeah, I, and I have to admit a little concerned because you know there's been a couple of these cases now this coronavirus that have popped up here in Maryland and I'll tell you what I've never had something like this before where it's just a lingering sore throat and then the congestion and the overall fatigue. So anyway, so I better be quiet because I don't want them to come here in hazmat suits and all that. But anyway, we're gonna get this thing rolling in just a minute. Brett Reese, don't be afraid of me, Brett. I don't think it's contagious over the airwaves. We're gonna it might afraid either it's it's not contagious over the over the airwaves. So don't, the don't worry virus. about it. I'm gonna be broadcasting in some underground bunker next week. They're gonna they're gonna have me in quarantine. But uh nonetheless, let's get things Get this thing started, please. You've got post time with Mike and Mike presented by the USTA. Hey,
0: racing fans, we all know the ride begins well before the starting game. Stay warmed up around the clock at PennHorseRacing.com, your home for all things harness and thoroughbred racing. racing.com gives you the inside track on betting, industry events, breeding, news, and more. You know, everything that will give you an edge comes post time. Visit PenHorseracing.com today. Brought to you by the Pennsylvania Horse Racing Association. Family crop, small, one 800 gambler.
1: Southern Oaks has been the winter home of many great horses competing in several different stakes programs. It's home to leading trainers such as Irv Miller, John Shane, Eddie Lohmeyer, and Ian Moore, just to name a few. The farm is conveniently located within 45 minutes of both the Orlando Airport and Daytona Beach in sunny Florida. Southern Oaks, arguably the best training surface in all of Florida, has stalls for rent for the winter season. For more information, visit southernoakstraining.com at southernoakstraining.com.
2: of this edition of host time with mike and mike presented by the united states trotting association mike carter alongside of mike bozich we're joined now by the and you got it, Brett. help me out here what is your exact title out at Tioga downs and Vernon downs
3: regional racing operations manager
2: regional racing operations manager so you kind of oversee both racetracks and uh brett this is uh, your first time on the program we'll get into your job and what you do uh here in just a little bit but first Tell us all about Brett Reese. Who are you? How did you get into the business? And uh, you know, tell us a little bit about the family.
3: So my dad, um, basically, th- the one thing about my family, my family didn't train horses, drive horses, anything like that. It was always on the gambling side. Um, my father th- started taking me and my brother to the track when I was about eight, and my brother's two years older than me, so he would have been ten at the time, but. We were uh, regulars at Vernon. Even when we were 13 and 14, we faithfully went every single weekend. And, um, you know, I played in the World Harness Handicapping Championship several times as I hit the 18-year-old mark. But I had a lot of knowledge of Vernon and Tioga um, right since, you know, Tioga opened and then I was at Vernon as a regular every weekend. That's how I got really um, into the game. and Basically, everybody knew me um, like the back of their hand.
1: Brett, you bring up a very good point, Mike Bozich, you bring up a very good point uh, in the sense that, you know, a lot of people come into it uh, from a family point of view, being that, you know, their father was a horseman, their mother was a horsewoman, uh, this and that. You don't really see a whole lot of people enter the business from a gambling point of view. And and to be honest with you, I think that's probably a weakness of our sport a lot of times. How has coming into it from a gambling point of view helped you kind of fit into your job and your role at Vernon and Tioga
3: um you know there's every every day right now is a learning curve you know I've been here six months um in the race office at both tracks and I've learned a lot so far in six months but um sometimes you know I like where I'm at because I'm different you know so I stick out that I I didn't I don't rig horses or I don't you know, uh, train horses or what I have jogged before, but the whole thing is, is that sometimes the trainers will even ask me, you know, for my picks or, you know, my preview, how did you know, you know, how did you know my horse wasn't going to be there? Why didn't you pick them? And, you know, I like that aspect because I don't believe that, you know, you have to be necessarily a horseman to be sharp. Um, there's a lot of things that go into it and, uh, you know, I like where I'm, I'm at sometimes.
2: Now, Brett, you entered the sport kind of like I did, you know, from a gambler's perspective. You know, my dad always took me to the racetrack and what have you. But when you're giving out public picks and handicapping for the public, do you ever feel, um, you know, obviously you don't ever want to offend somebody uh, with what you're saying. But how do you kind of tone that down and, you know, bring it to a level that, you know, you're educating the public while not downgrading the horse?
3: Um, I I don't ever try to downgrade any horse, but I do say – Um, You know, here at Tioga, we have, you know, a top-notch driver this past year and like Wally Hennessy. So if I were to say Wally's getting on this horse tonight, I think he will maybe go to the lead as opposed to, you know, coming out fourth and fifth, you know, prior weeks. And that I might say that may help the horse tonight. Then I'll try to turn it into something like that where, you know, they're picking up a top-notch driver or they're coming off, you know, a qualifier where, they change their um, tactics of how they're going to race, or maybe even a trainer change, you know? I mean, you have to give credit where credit's due, so if somebody is batting a big percentage, that's how I'll put it into perspective while giving out, you know, public information.
1: Visiting with Brett Reese, he is the Regional Racing Operations Manager at Tioga in Vernon. We're going to talk about Tioga in Vernon in just a second, Brett, but uh, most recently over this past weekend, you had a chance to sit kind of in the catbird seat. You were doing the – uh, you were co-hosting the in-house Handicapping show with Dave Brower at the Meadowlands this past weekend. I know that really had to be a treat for you. Tell us uh, a little bit about behind the scenes, how that
3: kind of went for you. Uh, that went awesome. You know, I had been in the Salky uh, three times prior at the Meadowlands, twice with Justin Horowitz, who's no longer there, and then once with Dave Brower, you know, but it's something I've always wanted to do. I really enjoy co-hosting, but it wasn't People were saying to me, you know, you've got this or you're, you're going to be okay. It wasn't as intimidating. I mean, I appreciated the support, but I'm on live camera if I'm not at Tioga at Vernon almost every live night of racing. So the only thing difference um, really was I was on a bigger stage, but I really didn't feel a lot of pressure, which really helped me out.
1: You know, one of the things, Brad, Dave is so easy to work with. I remember the first time I did the handicapping show there, and I, I, I mean, I was kind of like you. I mean, I've got plenty of on-air experience, but I mean, the Meadowlands is certainly a different thing. And, and uh, you, you know, one of the things about Dave, and I got to tell you, the first time I worked with Dave, he hands me this three- or four-page production thing. and I, I, What is this? And, you know, he's explaining to me, well, you know, we, we have clips of this and that and blah, blah, blah. And I guess they will, listen, I've been in this industry for uh, 20 or 30 years. And this is the first time that I've had some kind of production log, but listen, they do it right there. Dave Brown, one of, one of the easiest guys to work with, one of the most approachable guys. You know, Brett, that's one of the things that I kind of really like about the Meadowlands is you're down in the Sam McKee broadcast area and you're right amongst the fans. And I've, I, I kind of watched you guys. I was doing TBG on Saturday, and I kind of watched you guys, uh, you know, a little bit uh, in between races. And one of the cool things about it is you guys actually interact with fans in between, in between races.
3: Yeah, we love to do shout-outs, you know, and talk to people that we know are watching. And, you know, messages as we're on air are coming through to his phone, to my phone, and he was on Twitter, and I was on Facebook, you know. But Dave is just so easygoing. And the best part about it is when you say something to him, he's just so fluent with the answer back. And then anything he asks you, he leads you right into the question. And when he handed me that log that you're t- talking about, Mike, I kind of like the first time I looked at it, I almost fell out of my chair when I was in the, my race office because I said, what am I looking at? You know? And then I got down there and he says, this is going to be a minute by minute, second by second thing. And I says, oh, okay. But then when the, you know, clips started coming on about, you know, uh, Caviar Alley and write me a song and just, you know, horses we were talking about, he more or less just kind of led me right into it. And I said what I knew, you know, and, uh, that's, that was just, you know, he's just such a great guy and easy going to work with it. was just impeccable.
2: Now, Brett, no pressure here. Okay. But you have to work with our man, uh, Rich Mateo who used to do a lot of work for our show. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know how you do it, man. I'm just giving you a hard time by the way. I love Rich and I'm <laughs> putting you on the spot here, but, uh, you know, listen, give him a little bit of a hard time, will you?
3: Yeah, Rich Rich is uh, you know, a great um race caller, you know, and stuff like that. And I've I've announced some baby races, you know, but he's always like uh I don't know, he he's one he's like I believe in myself and I always tell Rich like you're really good at what you do, you know, and then he just says, Oh no, I suck, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he gets he gets me going because he's he's uh he's just somebody that's great to work with, but he, he likes to make it funny and everything uh you know, he does, even on the microphone, it's always a good time and laughing, but he's a great kid and for all of us, you know, I, you know, we're youth in the sport and that's what I believe, you know, the sport needs right now.
1: Brett, you just mentioned youth. You're a young guy. Uh, Obviously, your career in in this business has gotten off to a very good start uh, with a lot of responsibility at Tioga and Vernon. Let's move down the road a little bit. What uh, what does the future hold for one Brett Rissey?
3: I really don't know, you know, I, I, as much as people, you know, they ask me and say to me, well, you're the boss. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm 26 um, overseeing two racetracks. So it's nice to get off to a hot start, I guess, career wise, but I'm also, you know, under orders, just like anybody else. Um, you know, I, I work for Jason Sudamore and he gives me instructions and stuff, but I also, I need somebody to guide me getting started and I'll, I'll always need that guidance because um, even when you're the boss, you know, there's things that, come about that you may not know of, you know, Jason Bloom, who was here prior to me, I more or less moved into his role, um, for Tioga. And then I have Scott Warren on the Vernon side. Um, you know, one is at Meadowlands one is over to Dayton now, but they're just a phone call away. So I don't, I don't credit myself as much. I credit, um, the team members around me, but you know, right now I'm technically people look at me as, you know, uh, racing operations or even a racetrack manager I've been called. So hopefully someday down the road, um, that's the ultimate goal, you know is maybe you know I'll be running one of the bigger tracks in the country, but I'm very content with where I'm at right now, well, Brett listen, we certainly appreciate
1: you joining us, my friend. It was a pleasure meeting you at Pocono and uh it was uh really good to see you doing your thing at the Meadowlands with Dave Brower and uh a bright future awaits you, my friend
3: thank you both very much guys i uh I appreciate being on here and uh I couldn't ask you know for a couple better guys to uh bring me on and let me do some talking all right, thank you,
1: my friend. Take care. All right. That was Brett Reese And, uh, Mike, once again, you know, we talk about how important it is to get youth involved. And, you know, that's one of the things that Jason and Jeff Corral and the guys at the Meadowlands Tower Gun Vernon do such a great job of. I mean, you've got Brett. You've got Rich Matei. I mean, uh, you know, hey, they've, they've given you your opportunities. Uh, I mean, it's so important, I think, to get the, Jessica Otten. It's so important to get youth involved in the sport, and they're doing a really good job of it though.
2: Yeah, for sure. it's, you know, good to see them bringing some of the new blood in, you know, we, you know, we've helped promote uh, a couple of those people and,
1: uh, you know, it, right.
2: it's about getting some of the younger folks in and, you know, we always joke about we're going to start charging tuition because, uh, you know, the <laughs> tuition costs are, uh, <laughs> are, are rising, so to speak.
1: Yeah, absolutely, no question about it. And, uh well, you know, listen, this coronavirus is going to take me out here in the next couple of weeks, so you'll, you'll be able to fill my spot with some young whippersnapper. And I, I'm telling you, I, I, I can feel my voice going. I, I could feel me drifting off, Mike. Um, let's not talk about that. <laughs> yeah. time with Mike and Mike presented by Lysol. Good, I'll leave you my german infested uh, snowball, mic in my will. You've got Post Time with of Mike presented by Pen America. We've got Jim King in the Ondex Circle. We're going to talk uh, one of our favorite subjects on this program, Sharton. And we're also going to talk about another one of our favorite subjects on this program, Caviar Alley. We're going to have Jim King Jr. and Brett Pelling on back-to-back, trainers of both Charlton and Caviar Alley, so you're, you're certainly going to want to stick around for that. Plus, driver Ryan Stahl recently got his 5,000th driving win at Northfield, and so much more on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by the USDA. Back in a moment.
4: Horse Youth Foundation has the power to bring a life-changing experience to any child. We introduce youth to the horses and skills that build confidence, friendships, and a lifelong love of harness racing. The Harness Horse Youth Foundation has been a positive influence in the lives of thousands of young people since
3: 1976. Check with the complete list of Harness Horse Youth Foundation camps and activities at hhyf.org. That's hhyf.org.
1: Mike Bosich, along with Mike Carter, for Pacing for the Cure. Do you or someone you love with multiple sclerosis have a difficult time paying for your MS medications or need medical equipment such as a lift chair or scooter to help with your mobility needs? Pacing for the Cure can help. Please visit the pacingforthecure.org website and complete the mobility aid application or contact Jeff at pacingforthecure.org. If eligible, you may receive funding. Mike Are you a
2: harness racing trainer or driver? Please join the list of those who pledged in 2018 for the $1 per win challenge. The 2019 challenge has begun in wins tally from January 1st through November 30th. For the drivers and trainers that are currently participating in the challenge and donate $100, they will receive a Pacing for the Cure long sleeve t-shirt or baseball cap. For a $250 donation, the driver or trainer will receive two tickets to the annual party. If you are interested in joining the challenge, please email Jeff at pacingforthecure.org. Thank you, drivers and trainers.
3: Doctor, my
5: seen
2: the We're back at this edition of Host Time with Mike and Mike, presented by the USTA Mike Carter, alongside of Mike Bozich. We're joined now by Jim King Jr. And Jim, I, I got to ask, how did you catch the short end of the stick here? Joanne's in Florida, enjoying baseball, and you're stuck in Delaware. What happened here?
6: Well, I did get the good guy award, you know. So I guess that, <laughs> that was how that happened. My, my wife says, oh, no, I got, it's the same time I got uh, to get, get on the plane. And I says, I'll take care of it for you this time, dear. As always, (laughs) I got your back, baby.
2: (laughs) Jim, let's talk about Sharton last night, and uh, we'll talk some about her Horse of the Year honors and what that meant. But, wow, what an amazing, amazing effort by her last night. And, you know, the the charted line, if you look at it, says she was third at the top of the stretch. She was last turning for home. I mean, just unbelievable acceleration by her
6: it it was I, I i get chills just standing here talking about it it's it was just amazing uh, i i raced two mares last last night that charged home the same way and i am not sure what that's a, what that's all about other than they're plain old good horses uh she you know she just has she's got a such a a, a want to win attitude and spirit about her that uh uh you know i i, I don't know what what kind of challenge, when she's healthy, I don't know what kind of challenge it would take couldn't meet.
1: Visiting with trainer Jim King, trainer of Shartin. You know, uh, Jim, we've had Joanne on the show numerous times. She's won a few awards here on the Post Time with Mike and Mike. But this is the first time, actually, you've been on the program. And we've talked with her on several occasions about what Shartin means to her. Let's talk about what Shartin means to you. (laughs) Well, she's she's definitely what what you you always hear
6: once in a lifetime. I mean, I, I just can't imagine ever having anything else quite like her. Um, you know, for her to come along is heck we knew she was a good horse, but to be what she is, my god, it's just unbelievable. Unbelievable. It's just uh I can't I can't hardly talk about her without having chills. I uh, it, it's uh She just gives me goosebumps.
2: Now, Jim, you guys were crowned horse of the year from 2019. And, you know, we, we talked about it uh, earlier in the program about how she kind of tailed off towards the end of the year, but she had a really, really long season. When you say tail off with her, it wasn't that she was finishing fourth or fifth. She was finishing second to a very, very nice mare. It's just one of those things where she had a really, really long year. She had a really long schedule and I give you guys credit. You guys, you guys, you guys, put her into the races and give her every opportunity in the world. What did it mean to win horse of the year for 2019? Well, you know, the only way she could
6: be horse of the year was to finish out the year late in the year seems to matter more than early in the year. Uh, I mean, horses don't do the matchmaker or the Levy, a full series and then go right through the year and finish up like anything. And, and she, she, you know, the first year she finished up incredibly, and and this time around, I didn't think it was that that we had gone too long, too far. She had gotten sick in between there, and I guess I just didn't realize how sick she was, and I thought she was recovered. But she's such a trooper that uh, she tries to do it anyway. And at home, I she gave me every indication that everything was good, and I I. I I, I, I can't fault her for it. I, I, I gotta I got I gotta take the lump myself. I I think it was my error. I started her back uh sooner than I should have if I had skipped Lexington and then went to the feature races after that. I think it would have been a different story, but you know, fact is uh it's written down or just how we ended up.
1: Jim, tell us about how Sharpton came back from, from the offseason. Obviously, she took a couple of months off, certainly a, a much-needed break, the wintertime like, like most of the good horses do. Tell us about how she came back. Tell us about uh, her training regimen as she uh, built back up to the 2020 campaign.
6: Well, She's actually a pretty, pretty easy horse to train. She lets you know what, what she wants to do. Uh, she, she was a real handful when we started, but she's settled down and, and does what to do now instead of her just insisting she's going to do it her way as far as training. But, you know, we turned her out right here at home, of course, and uh, she's she never changed stalls. It's not like she went somewhere else. But she went out every day, and then, you know, when she'd had enough, we'd bring her in. And we we could see that, you know, she, she's ready to start back because I, after two seasons like that, I, I had said that we weren't going to go to the matchmaker. But she just indicated that, you know we'll go if you want to <laughs> so, and I couldn't think of why not uh so we're we're going to try to give her a split uh season this year, and we've done to matchmaker we hope to be able to give her a little time and uh come back for the end of the year and and uh and finish it up right. We'll see.
2: Now, Jim, what's the plan for Chartin? Obviously, uh, you're going to race her throughout the year, but is this going to be kind of one of those uh, foiled-again situations where you're going to kind of be touch-and-go and just let her tell you, or, you know, you just got to kind of, you know, race another year or two and maybe send her out to uh, be a mom?
6: Well, you you know, a foal is is only worth so much money, and she can only have one a year. Lots of things can go wrong with that also, just like with racing. You know, if she was – a boy and she was going to make babies, OK, you get lots of chances. Girl gets one. they get one. So if, if as long as it's good with her and we feel that she can earn more than a baby would bring it a sale, or something such as that, then uh, you know, heck, I kind of like racing her.
1: All right, well, Jim, listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us, my friend. An impressive debut for the 2020 campaign, and uh, we'll see you for the Betsy Ross, won't we? Um, I'm
6: hoping so. I'm hoping so. I've, I've got some giggles left. I want her to give me some more giggles. <laughs>
1: Sounds good. Jim, we certainly appreciate you joining us, my friend. Best of luck this year. We'll certainly touch base with you as the campaign unfolds.
6: Very good, very good. I uh, appreciate the opportunity to talk about her for sure.
1: All right. That was trainer Jim King. And uh, I'll tell you what, always a pleasure talking to uh, Jim and Joanne. I mean, you can tell they're just, they're, they're touched, you know, by what Shartan has brought to that stable and quite frankly, what she's brought to the sport of harness racing.
2: Yeah, and no kidding. And, you know, like I said last night after that powerful performance, I mean just amazing to see her do what she's doing at her age. I mean, you know, she's getting up there in age, she's one of the older, um older mayors, but she's still at the top of her game and I meant what I said about the kind of the foil to end mentality, Mike. I mean, it's one of those things that where, you know, you have to weigh in. Do you let her keep going? Or do you turn her out and let her be a mom and I tell you, they uh, they they seem like they're just going to let
1: her kind of dictate what they do. Well, I'll tell you what. And one of the things I think that has made Chartin a drawing point for people, uh, for fans, is Caviar Alley. I mean, this has been this is turning into one of the great rivalries our sport has seen, and uh, these two they went at it pretty much the entirety of 2019. And uh, probably going to go at it again the entirety of 2020. We're going to talk to Caviar Alley's trainer, Brett Pelling, when we come back. On Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by the USTA, plus Ryan Stahl, who just got his 5,000th driving lead at Northfield Park. He'll be joining us a little bit later on as well. Back in a moment. Went back at Delaware's stallion lineup offers 12 proven stallions for the first stage. Classic Carn Shark is a proven sire of stakes winners. He is a full brother to both Better's Delight and roll With Joe. Roddy's Bags Again is the sire of multiple DSBF final winners, including $675,000 winner Perfect Bags.
4: I'm Linda Tachano. I was the trainer of Heston Bluechip for his whole career. And I have nothing but good things to say about Heston. He was a professional horse from the day he started.
1: Heston Blue Chip is the sire of multiple stakes winners, including C New York Sire Stakes Champion and $980,000 winner Zero Tolerance. For more information on stallions, including breeding
0: contracts, visit winbackfarm.com. From the edge of your seat starts to the white knuckle finishes. Horse racing is truly a ride unlike any other. One that the Pennsylvania Horse Racing Association intends to preserve in the Keystone State for years and years to come. From our breeders to track operators to you, the fan, PHRA is here to bring everyone together for the benefit of the sport we love and the majestic athletes we adore. Learn more about the PHRA's mission at PennHorseracing.com. Brought to you by the Pennsylvania Horse Racing Association.
1: Join Harness Racing's hottest and most affordable fractional group, Winner's Circle Racing. Winner's Circle Racing provides the total harness racing experience from the barn to the paddock all the way to the Winner's Circle. Come invest with us and experience 100% of the thrills at a fraction of the cost. For more information, visit Racing.net. That's Racing.net. Here comes the charging moa, charging hard, at on the 6 to
2: one
1: Welcome back on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by the United States Toronto Association. Mike Bozich, along with Mike Carter. And right now we're joined by the trainer of Caviar Alley, the one and only Brett Pelling. Brett, welcome to the program, my friend. How are you?
5: Yeah, very good, guys.
1: All right. Well, Brett, let's. Uh, we just spent the last ten minutes talking about Shark Tin, and now we're going to spend the next ten minutes talking about the other wonder mare, Caviar Alley. First of all... What a great rivalry this has been between Chartin and Caviar Alley, pretty much at each other, finishing necks and noses apart for the entirety of 2019. Now we come to 20 and 20. Brett, this has really been a good thing for the sport of harness racing to watch these two Warriors go at it.
5: No, definitely good for the game. And, uh, but you know, both may have to be able to back up and, and come back and, and pretty much race at their best and uh, when they're called on. And, uh, no, it's been awesome.
1: Brett, let's talk a little bit about Caviar Alley, how she is coming in to the twenty twenty season, how is she trained leading up to it, and how has her offseason been?
5: Yeah, no, I, I think it's um it's gone really well. We've done it a bit different than uh than I am.
1: Brett you there? <laughs> Brett? I think we
2: lost Brett Pelling there. Uh, he dropped off in the studio. So we'll have Brett yeah. Pelling I, on. Here you know
1: what? He caught, he, caught he, caught, he caught the coronavirus over the airway. Yeah. And what caught,
2: the, caught the coronavirus. So, That's exactly so. what happened. But, <laughs> you know,
1: well, something else I want to ask him about when he comes back on. Uh,
2: not just Caviar Nally, but uh, his uh, Breeders' Crown champ that was disqualified. Uh, we'll talk about uh, Poppy Rob Hanover as well. I'm interested to see how Poppy Rob comes back. And,. You know, interesting uh, note, I actually called Poppy Rob during one of his early qualifiers at the
1: Meadowlands last year. You know, I I called him uh, in a Pennsylvania Science Stakes race, and uh, I'll never forget because I saw the race before, and I believe that was his first or second start. And uh, we had Dave Miller, I think it was one of the weeks you were gone, we had Dave Miller on the show that Thursday that Poppy Rob Hannibal was racing uh, at Harris Philly. And I asked Dave, and I'll tell you what, for those of you that listen to the show, for those of you that are trying to make a couple extra bucks, uh, listen to the show sometimes. Because I'll tell you what, Dave Miller pretty much said in no uncertain terms that Poppy Rob Hanover was going to win, and I think the horse went off at 5-2 to two and, and won fairly easily. So we've got Brett back on. Uh, okay, Brett yeah. – uh, okay we got you again once again you were yeah, talking about, about caviar alley that's no, okay we we're talking about caviar alley and her off season uh tell us about how that's gone
5: yeah no um she's she's done well uh you know i think she's got sounder she's got older which is um a, a good thing and um just a more uh you know she's more in tune with everything that's going on and uh more in tune with us so um we've got to know her a lot better and no, she's she's come back well. Um, her two qualifiers were were excellent. Um, not really pressured at all. But um, I brought her back a little bit leaner this year, so um, hopefully uh, she'll be all you know ready to go. You know, going into the matchmaker series is uh, n- not an easy spot, and uh, kind of got to be on your game right off the bat. And. If you're looking for a week off, I think, during the series, you definitely need to make sure you can get out there and uh, and win a couple. So to win a couple anywhere, you got to be on your game.
2: Now, you guys will kick it off against Sharkin pretty early in the year. And this is a rivalry that uh, kind of started uh, throughout the year last year. Caviar Alley kind of put the one up on her uh, with a Breeders' Crown victory and a couple of big victories there towards the end of the year. What does that mean to be able to, you know, put her up against, you know, the top mare in the game in Chartin and just know that uh, she has the power and versatility to be able to beat her?
5: Yeah, well, they've kind of got the same style. I mean, both of them can get out of there. Both of them can probably do a bit of work. And um, I, I think they set themselves up to be, uh, you know, close to each other. It's not as if um, I remember years ago, I used to race Dragon again against Western Ideal and, You know, one was dead set front end. The other one was just, um, you know, coming from out of it. And this is a little bit different. I mean, gate speed with these horses these days is is critical. And um, both of them have an abundance. So I think in the big races, they're, uh, you know, they're going to be, you know, running around the track, you know, one, two, one, two, three, somewhere around there. And that's kind of the way you need to race these days. And when you go in the miles that they're going.
1: Brett, kind of give us the roadmap for Caviar Alley. This year we asked Jim the same question about Sharta, and he says he's going to kind of let her dictate uh, as far as scheduling is concerned. Is that kind of the roadmap you're taking as well? Uh,
5: no, not really. I mean, she's here to race. It's going to kind of be her last year, and, um, you know, we, we with these horses um, a lot of times, you can't just turn around and enter, and there's a race for you. I mean, they have to fill the races. They have to make sure it's it's worthy of a betting card. And um, you, you know, I, I'm glad they they actually came up with another race at the Meadowlands, which will be uh, in between the the Matchmaker and uh, and, the, and the Betsy Ross. So that's another place uh, that we can go. But I, I don't plan on letting her down any time during the year. I mean, if she's she's she'll only be a week away from having a start somewhere the entire season, and that's kind of how I see it.
2: Now, Brett, real quick, before we let you go, let's talk a little bit about Poppy Rob Hanover. Uh, how is that one coming back uh, and training into uh, their three-year-old season?
5: Mate, he's so perfect, I don't know really what more to say. I mean, he's uh, there's has not been an issue in, in, with his health, his soundness, uh his, his attitude um the way he looks the way he's come back I mean everything about him so far has been been perfect and uh he actually I just jumped off on then actually and once again he was just perfect and he's he's um you know a good seven or eight weeks away yet so uh, he hasn't been tested or anything but you know he was a true professional last year I mean that's one of the things I loved about him I mean he was uh he, he's push button. I mean, he's so intelligent. And I've said to a few people, I mean, he's he's so intelligent. I think he, he can talk to us, but he's probably got nothing to say. And that's kind of the, that, that's kind of the way he is. He, you know, for a beach and a lot of people knock the beaches because they can be a little bit stupid, but um, he's not that way at all. He is incredibly smart.
1: All right. Well, listen, Brett, we certainly appreciate you joining us, my friend. Best of luck with Caviar Alley, Poppy, Rob Hannibal, and the rest of the stable here in 2020.
5: All right. Thanks very much, guys. Cheers.
1: All right. That was trainer Brett Pelling. I'll tell you what, a lot of good information coming from both Jim King and trainer Brett Pelling. And, you know, interesting to note how they answered the question differently. We posed the question to both trainers about what the 2020 schedule looks like. And a little bit of a different opinion between the two. Yeah,
2: but I think that's to be expected. You know, one thing about Chartin, and they've been clear about this from the beginning, Mike. Is that you know? Chartin is you know she put in a very very tough season last year. You know, slow her up a little bit this year if they have to. You know, she's a little bit older this year and things. You know, they they take their toll on uh, on these horses. They're not machines. We saw what happened with Lather Up and, uh, or excuse me, not Lather Up, Wiggle It, Jiggle It, and um, Always Be Mickey. And they both, I mean, just week after week after week with big miles and big miles. You know, I think, uh, you know, they both have their own approach to it, but, you know, it it might be one of those things where Shartan, maybe she needs a week or two off and Caviar Alley can kind of just keep grinding away. It might be an age difference.
1: You know, that's one of the things the last time uh, I did TVG, uh, Caleb Keller and I got into this discussion. um, And I guess the same holds true for Thoroughbreds, maybe even more so for Thoroughbreds when you're handicapping a Thoroughbred race versus a harness race. I think a lot of people, when they look at the past performances, they look for those big miles. And, you know, if you see horses with two or three big miles in a row, it automatically pops into your head that, wow, these horses are in form. But, you know, looking at it from the other point of view, do handicappers pay enough attention to the fact that, wow, what have these miles taken out of these horses? Good question that That's a big thing, I know I do
2: um I know the week after Lather up went uh one forty six at the Meadowlands um I kind of questioned whether or not he uh would be good and it bit me so uh, yeah. you know it it's just one of those things you know
1: yeah i mean it's that, that's why handicapping's so interesting because you know you could you could you could trap a hundred people in a room, give them the same race page, and a hundred people are going to see things a hundred different ways so that's that's uh you know a challenging thing about that that's why we love But uh, Ryan Stahl, he's one of uh, he's one of the Naturals. Two guys at Northfield Park with the Naturals, up this five thousandth driving win, and he's going to be on this program next year. USDA.
2: Post time, gates moving. They're off, and it is on.
0: Every year, the Harness Horse Youth Foundation travels the country to share the love of harness racing with the next generation. The Harness Horse Youth Foundation educates, introducing youth to new friends and opportunities. The Harness Horse Youth Foundation has been a positive influence in the lives of thousands of young people since 1976. Learn how you can support bringing kids and horses together, building a stronger future for the sport. Visit hhyf.org. That's H-H-Y-F Mike
1: Bosich, along with Mike Carter, for Pacing for the Cure. Do you or someone you love with multiple sclerosis have a difficult time paying for your MS medications or need medical equipment such as a lift chair or scooter to help with your mobility needs? Pacing for the Cure can help. Please visit the pacingforthecure.org website and complete the mobility aid application or contact Jeff at pacingforthecure.org. If eligible, you may receive funding. Mike
2: Are you a harness racing trainer or driver? Please join the list of those who pledged in 2018 for the $1 per win challenge. The 2019 challenge has begun in wins tally from January 1st through November 30th. For the drivers and trainers that are currently participating in the challenge and donate $100, they will receive a Pacing for the Cure long sleeve t-shirt or baseball cap. For a $250 donation, the driver or trainer will receive two tickets to the annual party. If you are interested in joining the challenge, please email Jeff at pacingforthecure.com the cure.org
1: thank you drivers and trainers jimmy freight is new to ontario in 2020 jimmy freight is the richest and fastest son of sports rider and was the o'brien three-year-old pacer of the year and won multiple stakes at ages two three and four
2: and jimmy freight turns on the jimmy jet by a length and a half in
3: 148 and one jimmy freight at 10 to 1 to win the dayton Casey Derby. He
1: stands his first season in 2020. For booking information on Jimmy Freight, please visit windbackfarm.com. Limited shares available. Go to windbackfarm.com.
2: We're back to this edition of host time with Mike and Mike presented by the United States Trotting Association, Mike Carter, alongside of the sickly Mike Posich and uh, Mike, i tell you what uh, driver milestones, something we get to talk a lot about on the program here. And uh, we're going to be talking to Ryan Stahl here in just a moment about uh, his latest milestone.
1: That's right. 5,000 driving wins. Let's bring him on in. Ryan Stahl joins the program right now. Ryan, how are you? Good. How are you? Doing fantastic, buddy! Five thousand driving wins. Uh, once again, that's that's a lot of wins. I was talking actually to the starter last night at Harris, Philadelphia. Norton Shoemaker, he's a driver for a long time, and and he's asking me who he had in the show, and I told him Brian Stahl, and I told him he just got his five thousandth win. He said, "Yeah, I saw that on Facebook. Five thousand. That's a lot of wins. That had to mean a lot to you."
4: Yeah, it is. Um, I think it'll mean more when uh, you know when I. Sit down and retire and really think about it. But right now it's just part of the grind. And uh, But it's definitely, definitely a number I'm very, very proud of and very fortunate to uh, get to.
2: Now, Ryan, you do a lot of driving up at Northfield Park and throughout Ohio. And you've gotten to drive some really good uh, stakes and overnight horses uh, throughout your career. What's that been like to kind of grow, uh, grow in the sport there at Northfield?
4: Um yeah it's been great. I mean obviously the the help of the slots in the casinos which uh brought a lot better horses to the state, better trainers and the good trainers that's always stuck it out here they was able to get better horses so it's just um uh, just really nice to be able to drive a lot nicer horses than what it was in the years past.
1: Ryan, this is your first time you've been on this program, and usually
4: uh,
1: people making their first time with Mike and Mike debuts. We like to ask him how they got started in the business. So let's ask you: How'd you get started in the sport of harness racing? Um,
4: yeah, I'm about like most people in the sport. I mean, I was uh uh come through with my uh, father. He got, but he kind of just um, he bought his first horse. He didn't have no family in it. Uh, I think he was in his mid thirties when he did, um, a few years before I was born. And but uh, yeah, just growed up with him uh, in the business.
2: Now Ryan, uh, I have to uh, I have to tell you, I was talking with Ronnie Rand last night a little bit, and uh, he told me the only mm-hmm. reason you got to five thousand is because he uh, he let you win five thousand times. Is that true? <laughs> ah,
4: <laughs> yeah, I suppose. But that makes him feel better.
6: <laughs> no, I'm but, uh, I'm just messing
4: He's a <laughs> yeah. he's uh I'd have won a lot more if it wasn't for him, but <laughs> he's a very talented driver along with others up there, Aaron Merriman, uh Kurt Sugg, Greg Grismore, I mean Chris Lems. I mean, there's a lot of good drivers there and it's uh tough to win a lot of races.
1: Yeah, no question about it. You know we had Kurt Sugg on this program. It's it's been a while now, but we asked him. Uh, we asked him about the mood in the Northfield Park drivers room, and he compared it to uh, a romper room kindergarten class. Is that is that accurate?
4: Um. Well, we we try to liven it up a little bit. I mean, it's such a grind racing 220 days a year, and um, and Dave being Coney, he likes to keep us out there 12 minute and post parade. So it uh, <laughs> it gets pretty tough on us. So we try to liven liven the spirit a little bit.
1: Yeah, no question about it. And I think that's needed, you know. I mean, you guys are out there competing, but, you know, it it is kind of important, I think, to have that chemistry, if for no other reason, safety. I mean, we always – I mean, and honestly, uh, I've – sat behind a horse one time and and I got I always give you guys a lot of credit guys make it look so easy in, in what you do out there and and you've kind of been in that unique situation where you well I guess it's not a unique situation but you drive really with the same drivers night in night out and and, and I guess that's kind of important to know their driving tendencies from a safety point of view huh
4: Yeah I mean um not just there I mean everywhere I mean you kind of know who's um been around you know, and, you, you know, you're trusting your life with the fellow drivers out there, so you you trust them as, as far as, you know, as much as they're trusting you, you know. You don't want to put unsafe horses in positions, and, you know, when people drive that many horses, they have a knack, you know, to, without being in bad spots or tight spots, and, you know, it makes it a lot easier. I always said, you know, the easiest race is the you know, driving is with, you know, the best drivers because you don't have to worry about them. You know, you just have to worry about your own horse. Where growing Ryan, up affairs, you know, guys that you know don't drive as much or, you right. know, younger guys that started out, you know, nothing against them. They just never a lot of times never been in, you know, tight situations and, you know, it's it's a split second decision up, you know, out there and you just um hope everyone makes the right decision but you know and even if they do I mean accidents happen I mean we was just in one couple weeks ago and um me and myself and four or five others went down got banged up Aaron Merriman uh Hunter Myers you know they took the worst of it and um but luckily you know Aaron only missed a few days that um week and he was back driving and Hunter uh, he's 21 years old so he heals a lot quicker so you bounce right back the next day, but, you know, it's just, you never know when them times are coming. And, um, so you're, and that's one thing I, you know, get my 5,000 wins. I've been very lucky to stay healthy. You know, it's been, I, you know, I didn't even realize it until someone showed me an article. It's been, I've had 200 plus wins for 14 straight seasons now. So, I mean, that's definitely a tribute to, you know, um, very fortunate to stayed healthy and uh, not been laid up for an extended period of time. No, no
1: question about it, Ryan. When it, when a driver, th- it's almost like a a baseball player, a, a hitter, a batter getting hit with a ball. Uh, when when you when you when you suffer a spill, when you get, does that play kind of in the back of your mind when you go out for the next drive, or may, does that kind of linger with you the the next couple of drives? Um,
4: I, I can't say it doesn't, you know, I think, um, you definitely think about it. Um, but then it seems like when the next race starts, I mean, you try to clear it out of your head as quick as possible. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't know if it, I don't know if there's a certain timetable where you say you're over it or not, or, but, uh, I mean, you try to put it in the back of your mind as quick as possible. Cause like I say, there's an nothing's going on in the next race where you can't be having second thoughts or thinking back what just happened.
1: Right. Well, listen, Ryan, we certainly appreciate you joining us, my friend. 5,000 wins in the books, 5,000 more to come, my friend.
4: All right. I hope so. Thanks, Mike.
1: All right. All right. That was Ryan Stahl. And, uh, you know, that's that's one thing, Mike, that I've always wondered, you know, when, you, when you're a driver and, and I guess it's inevitable. I mean, I guess – sooner or later, you're, you're going to go down, and it's going to be an accident. And I've always wondered, like, if that kind of stays in the back of a driver's mind, you know, it, 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 as they proceed throughout their career.
2: Yeah, you know, I, you'd ha- almost have to think it would. I mean, think about that for a second. I mean, you go hitting to the ground, and then you get behind the horse again and, you know, have to try to do it all over again. It's almost like, you know, say, Ryan Newman and those guys having to get back behind a stock car.
1: Right. Right. What what is what a story that was, by the way. Yeah. What a you're story not that kidding. was. I mean to, to see that crash and then a couple of days later to see him walk out of the hospital under his own power, that that's amazing. That that is that's that's nothing short of a miracle there, Mike. You're you're not kidding, that's for sure. It'd be interesting
2: to see when uh when he comes back uh if he makes a comeback, if he makes a full recovery.
1: Alright, we're gonna wrap this thing up. You've got post time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America and the USTA back in a moment. Join Harness Racing's hottest and most affordable fractional group, Winner's Circle Racing. Winner's Circle Racing provides the total harness racing experience from the barn to the paddock all the way to the Winner's Circle. Come invest with us and experience 100% of the thrills at a fraction of the cost. For more information, visit Winner'sCircleRacing.net. That's Winner'sCircleRacing.net. Here comes the charging moa, charging hard, at Southern Oaks has been the winter home of many great horses competing in several different stakes programs. It's home to leading trainers such as Irv Miller, John Booten Shane, Eddie Lowmeyer, and Ian Moore, just to name a few. The farm is conveniently located within 45 minutes of both the Orlando Airport and Daytona Beach in sunny Florida. Southern Oaks, arguably the best training surface in all of Florida, has stalls for rent for the winter season. For more information, visit southernoakstraining.com at southernoakstraining.com.
2: Thanks so much, for everybody, for joining the program here this week. We'll see you really back here next Thursday. First post is 1030. Thanks so much to our guest or taking time out this week. See everybody next week. Again, 10.30, the first post. Good night, everybody.